In this episode, we'll talk about mastering the art of communication. We'll tackle things like authentic communication and understanding how to tap into your personal style of communication versus mimicking. Things like evolving your communication for greater effectiveness. And of course, the ultimate case for communication and what becomes possible when you empathize with the possibilities that communication always creates versus staying locked around empathizing with the problems of it. Welcome to Weekly Wins and Losses. My name is James Hepner, former real estate entrepreneur turned self-development hacker, coach, and fulfillment strategist. Each week, we bring you a thought to wrestle with that will help you live fully alive and gain more life. Real life is made up of both wins and losses. Both were designed for your good. That's basic reality. Without facing and learning how to embrace your losses for greater gain, you miss out. You leave 50% of your life experience on the table. So with that, let's begin the show. With inflation rates rising, interest rates shooting up, gas prices skyrocketing, and the continued global unrest, it's easy to find what's wrong in the world. Tony Robbins says, what's wrong in the world is always available, but so is what's right. Instead of trying to hope and wish the world into a better place, it's time to make the most important decision any of us can ever make, and that is to invest in yourself. Now, you know I've always stood with you as you've navigated the uncertainties of life's reality. However, it's now time that I step up and take decisive action to walk alongside your current life journey in a new way, and that is by making myself available to you in a radical new way during these challenging times. So for a limited time, I'm inviting you to a 45-minute strategic business life consultation. No charge and no strings attached. This consultation is where you'll regain the reins of your life. It's where you'll gain clarity on exactly why you're stuck, moving you directly towards your optimal outcomes. And I'll be honest, and I'm humbled to say, however, my client's generous reflection of their time spent with me reveals the truth. The skills they've been able to master in such a short period of time by engaging in our one-on-one strategic sessions have changed their lives in so many ways. This is the only invitation that I can fathom that will put my skin in the game of your life in such a way that will allow us, you and I, to address your specific needs with precision and excellence. 45 minutes, just you and I, together on one call to get you headed in the direction you crave most. Here's what my clients report after one-on-one sessions with me. A decrease in indecision. An increase in clarity, confidence, and courage. An increase to fully capitalize on what's directly before them. An increase in the impact that they crave to have at work, on their families, and inside their communities. A decrease in pain and suffering. A decrease in anxiety. So, if you want to move beyond old stories, get clear in where you're headed so that you can shake your world, then here's a rich opportunity for you today. One-on-one strategic business life consultation with me. One-on-one 45 minutes. So if you want to maximize this opportunity, if you want to reclaim and regain your inner power, then you're going to want 
to slow things down during these challenging times. And how? Well, engaging and getting right with your life, making a life plan. I should let you know that this offer will fill up and expire. Click in the show notes to get your 45-minute strategic business life consultation. No charge, no strings attached. May this episode change your everyday life. Welcome, friends. Today, we have on the show someone who is my younger brother, I think. <laughs> oh, and I wish I could have been like him when I was younger because this dude, this brother of mine, I'm serious. When I got to know him, you, know, you see that laugh already. I, I learned to laugh a little later in life. And he's got it already. But welcome to the show, Brendan. Brendan Kumarasari, welcome. Hey, thanks, James. It's an honor, man. Good no to be problem. Uh, one of the things that struck me as soon as you and I connected originally is I looked at you and you said, holy smoke, something doesn't match here. And what I mean to say is not that you were incongruent. It's just that you, my friend, seem wise, but so youthful. I'm thinking, well, perhaps he's following David Sinclair's uh, regiment of supplements and, and these things. And perhaps his his wrinkles just haven't come in like, like apparently mine have. <laughs> like going, who is, who is this bro? Who is this bro? Then I got to know you and I'm like, oh, this, yeah, yeah, there, this guy goes deep and he goes deep in a playful way. And brother, you're just pro at what you do. Like I, I checked out some of your work. Um, you're the founder of Master Talk and you coach some pretty ambitious executives and entrepreneurs that honestly, they become that top 1% of communicators in the industry. And, you know, I tapped into some of your YouTube work and I'm like, dude, this guy's got like a production team behind him. Who is this dude? Who is this guy? You know, so so anyway, so we just connected. And uh, one of the things I think I love most about you is that you provide free access, democratizing communication tools for everyone in the world. My friend, at what? At 16 and a quarter is what you are? How old are you today, my friend? <laughs> 14, 14. You're close. <laughs> no, honestly, where are you at? I'm, I'm 46, full disclosure. <laughs> no, no, I'm happy to show. I was, just, I was just making you. Well, first of all, James, it's such a pleasure. You know, you're, you're, you're so kind and, and you really understand why it is what I do. And, and I really appreciate the kind words. It's a reaffirmation for me that I'm doing something right with my life. But yeah, I just turned 26. Wow. Wow. No, that's just 26, my friend, 26. And I know when you and I connected, you said to me a few special things. And one of the things that made me go, oh, so good. Let's start here. If you don't mind, you said to me, the goal isn't to live forever, but rather to create something that will, where did this begin? College, I don't know, like in the womb of existence (laughs) at 14. (laughs) No, I wish. I wish I was that wise. I wish I was that wise. No, it was, I was probably 21 at the time. So it wasn't that long ago, James. I was reading a book called Thirst by Scott Harrison. For those who don't know, Scott Harrison is the CEO of Charity Water. Mm-hmm. He basically started a nonprofit, raised half a billion dollars to help people gain access to clean water. And it was a quote in the book. And when I read it, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. Mm-hmm. It really created that shock in my life. Because I wasn't really creating anything that was living forever. You know, I was on my my way of becoming a consultant at a big company like IBM, go become a big time executive. My priority was retiring my mother and having some financial health for once in my life instead of doing something that was going to impact the world. So when I heard that quote, that's what made me realize 
that, oh, oh, my time is actually limited here. I should actually do something that will impact mm. a lot of lives and the people around me. So that's what that's what that quote really meant to me. And, and Scott has made a big impact mm. in my life for sure. Well, and just for, and if you're okay with this, I'll share with the audience that you just said exactly right. You just said, uh, uh, my goal was originally to retire my mother. And so that's what it ended up being. And what's fascinating um, is that you currently live in the basement of your mother's home. Correct. <laughs> and here's the thing. And here's the thing. It, it, it may or may not be due to financials. It may just be because it's a choice and you're nodding no, because if you wanted to, you wouldn't have to. But isn't it interesting? So here's, here's a brother, a brother, a 26, a ripe 26. Okay. He's saying my original goal was to retire my mom. And my goal is now shifting. And actually, I, I, I may have retired her. Who knows? But I'm living in her basement. And brother, your mission, your your passion in life. Tell me, what is that? Something that will last forever. What have you designed your life around that you're just sinking every ounce of your being into and your teeth can't get away from this juicy? If you're vegan, a stick of broccoli. If you're if you're paleo, a slab of steak. What is it that you just go like, I love, I can't get away from this? What's that forever for you? Man, I just love the way you see people, man. You're, you're such a gift in that, James. Yeah, absolutely, man. So to answer the first part of the question, yeah, the way, the way that I was able to retire my mom was to live with her. That was the easiest way to do it or else wow. my expenses would get too high. That's why I made that decision. And now, I mean, now she's she's living the life, right? So life is great. And and the point around the mission. So for me, my mission at the, the most, like uh, the most detailed version of it is I realized something, James, was after I developed a gift in communication, specifically coaching other people how to speak, because it's one thing to know how to communicate, but a small percentage of those people know how to teach other people how to do it. I realized that no one was supporting the next Elon Musk. And I'll tell you what that means. So when Elon Musk was 15 years old, nobody really helped him. You know, he was born in South Africa. Sure, he moved to Canada, then he moved to the States. No one really knew who Elon was. No one really cared about supporting him. No one said, hey, Elon, let me help you with your communication skills. And there was no resources for him to learn from. And obviously, Elon's at a point in his life where, I guess, communication doesn't really matter, though I could probably help him. But what I, what I thought of was, what about the next Elon? Because we don't know who that person is either. Probably some 13, 15-year-old boy or girl in some part of the world. Maybe it's even Cambodia or Laos or South Africa. What are we doing for that genius? What are we doing for that human being? And when I realized that I was the only truly, I hope there's others, but from based on what I know now, I think I'm currently one of the only ge very generous communication coaches who's trying to democratize all this information. My mission is the geniuses of today and tomorrow for the rest of human society should all be exceptional communicators. Because if the smartest 10,000 people in our world, and by smart, I don't mean brain smartness, I mean who are trying to create a massive impact in the world, if they were all exceptional communicators, which they aren't because many of them are PhDs and scientists and, and they don't have that acumen yet, if they all became incredible at the skill, the human race as a whole would evolve at lightning speed. And that's what I realized as the core ethos of my life is if I could democratize this and I got a little bit of time in my hands, so hopefully we can make it work with the time I have remaining so that when I'm gone, people can learn from me forever. Brother, that's just amazing. I love it. And I love your stance on, um, you know, the finite and the infinite, you know, and it brings me to the awareness when I think about what lasts forever. You know, I think you and I, um, 
know, we show up in this world and we want to be a beneficial presence. And I think being a benefit is to love what is right here. And I think maybe for those people that get stuck on what is love, I think even just to, for me, sometimes I just say love is something that's regenerative. Love is always regenerating. The opposite of regeneration is it dies and it's just over. Now, death life cycle, that's regenerative. Tree dies, decays, keeps, um, it, it changes into something different. You know, the moths, the worms, the moss, whatever happens. And in life, the only thing that's actually real is that which moves and that which moves from state one to state two. So it's constantly moving from, so back to the tree, it falls over, it dies. However, these things eat it, corrodes, it, it you know eats away and it becomes something new. So the death creates a regeneration of something new. So death is a needed, you know, an actual needed space. Now think about it. When we in life, we say we want to solve something, where does solving something leave room for, for that to evolve and for that to retain its life force, its regeneration force? You know, often solution kind of brings the end. You know, think about any kind of faith tradition. If you say you have the answer, you know, any mystery, the faith tradition dies. There's little left to discover if we say we got it solved. But if we evolve, when we evolve, then, and that's the life force, that's the regeneration that comes, right? So when I think about life force and evolving, when I think of all of this, you know, one of the things that really fascinated me about you when I got to know you is you seem to do and show up in the world, not because of great pain, but because of great love. Now, you may have experienced some pain, but you're choosing to wake up and show up and take that radical action without being fueled by pain. Right. And you're instead choosing to, 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 to be about the thing that lasts forever, the regeneration, which is the love and appreciation of this world. Right. What created this in you? And I know I, I, th- I think you mentioned something about your dad and you don't have to take it there. But what ultimately created? take us back? I think there's there's a story there. College. I'm not sure. Take us back. Uh, absolutely. I'm happy, happy to go there. So a couple of things and then we'll jump into the backstory is here's a scenario I'd love for everyone listening to think about. Mm-hmm. let's say somebody cut you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Typical scenario that we always get frustrated, but for some reason, I don't understand. That's why I don't drive. So I, I just avoid that emotion altogether. But let's say somebody cuts us off in traffic. So our natural instinct is to be frustrated. At this Oh my God, person terrible. And that's most human beings. And I'm hundred percent empathetic to that, but here's the scenario I'd love to propose. How about, or what if that you, you were the last human being that they get got to spoke with? So let's assume that the person who cut you off in traffic, you treated them in a bed, you're like, oh my God. And sure, you might have had every right to. And let's say they they drink a bottle of poison that night and die. And let's say you're the last person they talked to. If you knew that they were the last person or that you were the last person that they got to talk to, would you treat them differently? That is the only question I want people to think about. And when somebody proposed that, I actually don't know where I got this myself. I know I didn't invent this, James. When somebody told me that, 
it changed my outlook in life. And by the way, Brendan ain't perfect here. I'm definitely not as wise as you are. I'm sure you do that with every interaction. You're perfect. In no, I that way. Well, no, no, actually, I'm not saying you're perfect. Sorry. And I, you know, and thanks for bringing that to the, to the surface. Like I don't give compliment. I look for evidence. And so not hyperbole. I kid, kid you not, my friend, you're a wise soul. Now we're all wise. Cause I, here's what I think about wisdom just as a little play. Please. I think, I think we're all wise when we're born. I think what happens is if anything, what you and I are doing here, I'm 46, I've lived a little longer than you, but you're reminding me of things that I already know. And so I think wisdom is just doing that, helping people to, re- to, to remember, but back to your story, I'm just helping you remember, and you're helping me remember. And so I think it's a beautiful play. Good job. Yeah, no, no, I was mostly telling you, I mean, you're doing a great job at this. Thank and you. I, I'm saying I have a lot. Yeah, I receive. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and absolutely. And the, the key is, even if I'm not perfect at it, just the fact that I think about that. Oh, wait a second. Just that awareness stage, even just mm-hmm. that alone can bring humanity really far, I think, mm-hmm. where when we have a negative emotion, we just mm-hmm. ask ourselves, what if I was the last person they ever get to talk to? Mm-hmm. And, and they just die in a few hours. Is that the last memory you want them to have of, mm-hmm. of humanity and how they lived their life? And when I start thinking along those ways, it really changes the way that I react, right? Like sometimes I'll give you a funny one. You know, sometimes I might get on a show and they're like really rude. Not in your case. You're freaking amazing. You're like on the other spectrum. Well, let's say they're like really rude. They don't really know anything about you. And sure, you know, your initial emotion is like, oh my God, like, geez. Or you could just say, you know what? Let's just have fun with this. Let's. What if I'm the last person they ever talk to? What if they get hit by a bus or something yeah. after this? Is that the experience that I want to leave people with? Mm-hmm. And I try my best to do that. But then going to your point about the about the childhood, the upbringing, mm-hmm. definitely, I'm not I'm not perfect in that way. In the mm-hmm. sense that I definitely started with pain. So for me, a lot of my pain initially came from growing up in a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. So my dad was an alcoholic and we lived together for the past 10 years and I struggled a lot. So a lot of my success initially in life came from pain and specifically proving that I could deliver a better life than he ever mm-hmm. could for for the family and for everyone else. So a lot of it was fueled by pain. So get the corporate job, get the six-figure paycheck, get into mm-hmm. university. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I owe a lot of my success to that pain. Wow. But, you became the man who you did because of, not in spite of, because of. Good job. Oh, thank you, brother. Uh, lo- lots of reflection, right? Did a lot of deep work in the same way you, you probably have as well. And then what happened though, and this is the problem, okay? It's not a problem short-term. I actually think this is a good way to, to, to be successful. But there is, there's a caveat that I learned a few years ago. And the caveat is that type of drive has an expiration date. And for me, the expiration date was two things. One, I achieved it. I retired my mom. It doesn't cost that much money, my children retire your mom. But it seems like a lofty goal. You make 80 grand a year, you live together with your mom, like you're fine. Like you could retire. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Right. But for me, $80,000 back then was like $8 million back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece. But the other piece to that, James, was I didn't really have that much of a goal. So there's three things. Sorry. The second was I didn't have that much of a goal Mm -hmm. moving forward after I hadn't discovered the the knowledge I was sharing with you earlier. But the third piece was my dad died. Mm -hmm. 
in December of 2019. Well, wow. so when he was transitioning from this world into the next, however, we see that he had he had a lot of liver damage, of mm. course, from the years of drinking. Just to give you an idea of the the lens here, I hadn't spoken to him in ten years, even if we lived wow. in the same house. I just pretended wow. he didn't exist because I needed to cut him out to be successful. But that's when I realized that I couldn't keep going the way that I was going because because the the whole reason that I was doing this for like proving him wrong was it was no longer a fact train because he was mm-hmm. leaving this world. Mm-hmm. So, and that caused me a lot of short-term pain, but so I, it's kind of like, sorry for interrupting, but it's kind of like he dies and it's checkmate and you check in and go checkmate. How wait, who's calling checkmate? Who's losing here? Mm-hmm. Right. Ooh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you jumped in with that. I, I completely agree. It was checkmate because I thought I was playing a game to win. But I had realized, you know, going back to what Tony Robbins says famously, you know, if you're going to blame everyone for your fuck ups, you might as well blame them for your successes, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I realized through a lot of the deep inner work that I did, and this was the hardest moment of my, this is where I transitioned from the pain to the love piece mm-hmm. that, that you kind of see today, mm-hmm. is the reason I became successful was because of him. Mm-hmm. He was the greatest gift in my life. And it took me so much time to realize that, or rather come to terms with, I mean, let's face it. He immigrated 20 families from Sri Lanka to Canada. He took a ton of risk just to get here. Just the fact that I was the first person ever in the history of my ancestral lineage to be born in a first world country was a gift. If, If he never did that, there wouldn't have been a game to even play. In other words, the game was rigged from the beginning. It wasn't about me or him winning. Mm. It was about both of us winning together. It's just me never realizing it until the very end of the game, of that first part of the game. But don't worry, I got a lot more game left to play. But, Love but that that game. So that was a, a big moment for me in life, James, where I realized that I needed to find a new game. I needed to find a new meaning. And that's when my journey started to transition from pain to love. Wow. Wow. Gosh, fascinating. The inner work that a person's invited to, to embrace the good news that all of life is. I'm getting a little emotional here, but it's like, yeah, it's like Tony talks about life's happening for you. How so? Instead of being like, why me? Why not me? Gifts hidden in disguise everywhere. If we lean not in just to the wins that we crave and society says you win, if you have this, we say, why me? And then we go, why not me? And we're like, what am I given right here? My dad passed away. Seems pretty final. I can kick the can down the road, not too wise. Or what I'd be about is saying, wow, look at what happened. And perhaps your story about the poison, you'll, you have decided You will never do what you did then. However, it doesn't sound like you're blaming yourself. You're saying because you didn't connect with him prior to him dying. Sorry, I'm not saying, but because you didn't reconnect and that, there you go. Because you didn't connect with him because of that actually created in you. So it's like some people say, well, when I miss the mark or the sins of my life, whatever that means, often we don't hold space for these things. We're like, oh, just a horrible kid I was horrible human I was. However, look at you. Look at what you've created. Look at the ambition. Look at this. Look at the unselfish humility 
You get to retire your, your, your mom before you give yourself the luxury of moving to the place you want to live in. My friend, that is just precious. Precious. Let's go back to a precious season of your life, college. What had it in college that people said, hey, listen, we got this going on. We got sports. We got all kinds of stuff. Where would you like to participate? And you showed up and said, well, yay to that, nay to that. I'm not sure. And then you went, talk to me about communication, how college life led you to where you currently are. I want to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. And I loved your reflection on that. Thank you for that. That was that was amazing. So when I was in when I was in college, to your point, I, I'm not the sporty guy. I'm not the guy who's going to play basketball. I wasn't the guy who played football or cricket or rugby or any of those, those sports. I did pr- sports for nerds, which was presentations competitively. And that's when my case competition journey started. And that's when I learned how to communicate ideas mm-hmm. and really get to the level I was. So people understand this as well, James. Think of it like a business comes up to you like Nike or Amazon to give you a problem. They say, hey, I got this new shoe. Let's say it's Nike. And I don't know where to put it or how to place it. What should I do? So a lot of these young 20-year-old kids come up with solutions and they present it. The companies don't really use the solutions. The reason these things exist is so they can spot the top talent and get them into jobs. Mm-hmm. So this is before I had the idea for Master Talk. The goal before then was really getting a corporate job. And this was my way out of poverty because my parents grew me up on minimum wage salaries. And a lot of the money we were making as family was going to, you know, a lot of my my dad's alcohol, right? So we wouldn't have a lot of budget to do a lot of things. So when I had case competition, I realized that was my ticket out. That's when I started taking it super seriously. But Master Talk was an accidental consequence of that. Hmm. So while I was working these competitions and I got older, James, and I started doing well and winning a couple. I started mentoring people who were younger than me, not because I was a coach, not because I was an advisor, but because one, we didn't have a coach. Two, I grew an unhealthy obsession, kind of like I like to call myself the Michael Jordan that nobody gives a shit about in the sense of, except you. I know, I know you really Until they do. They don't until have need of you until they do. It's like a necessary evil. It's like, do I need to learn about communication? Actually, yeah, you do. It's like advertising. It's a necessary evil. You need it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the most sexy thing, but then you realize, actually, the only thing that I'm doing constantly is communicating. So it is actually the sexiest thing. Think about picking up, you know, you go, you go to a club or you go to a restaurant. You, what are you doing? You're communicating your words, your body language. Everything is communication. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, 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 no need to apologize. I love, I actually love your, 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 ba- your, I don't know what the banter, the banter back and forth. I love it. So this is great, man. Hey, you don't have so, to worry about using like senior citizen talk. You can just talk to me the way you kids talk. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't even know what the, the, the term it. is. <laughs> you got it. So, no, absolutely. So, so back to, back to the, the university days. So I was getting older, James, I started, and by the way, by old, I mean like 2021, right? I started coaching when I was 19. And then I started helping the students who were younger than me and how to speak. But mm-hmm. once again, it was because I remember back then, and it's still that way. It's just, it's just show, it's just manifest in a different way. So back then it was really around pain. It's like, I'm super cutthroat competitive. Let's like beat all the other teams and win. I'm still that way. I just show up with a lot more love than, than I used to. That's all. But I'm still the same Brendan. But back then it was winning competitions. So I wanted to win badly. So I started coaching these students that we were choosing for these programs to win and, and to win and do well. So three years later, without me knowing, I landed my dream job at IBM. I was set, but I accidentally became 
one of the youngest professional speech coaches in the world because I was 21, 22, and I coached like 70 people in how to speak. And that's when the idea for Master Talk really ensued. It was really from that three years of case competitions. Think of it like I learned a lifetime's worth of communication knowledge and only the span of three years because I was so intense. I probably practiced like 400 times myself. Wow. Wow. So you had to become deeply fascinated with what you were obsessed about and you had to love what you were obsessed about instead of being like, Hey, 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 this bro, he could be like a great, um, soccer, you know, left wing or something. He's like, he's thin, he's fast. And you're like, yeah, perhaps, but I'm just not interested there. So you had to really own and love what you were obsessed about. You had to really be there. Was there something in your upbringing, something that you observed maybe through your parents, um, that actually brought you to a place that you realized to appreciate and enjoy the love of what's coming to the surface for you constantly. Was there something like that that just had you, if you if you go back in your journey, just perhaps take a moment to lean into? And I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll, but I'll be honest. Somebody who chooses alcohol, for example, they choose, the only reason they choose it is because it's a solution for them. It's a problem to us, but it's a solution to them and for them. They obviously loved alcohol. No matter how the world said it's a problem, your dad drank until he died, pretty much. True? Correct. Absolutely. So, so I don't want to prime it with that, but anything without or beyond that had you just go, listen, I am who I am and I'm going to be focused and lasered in on what I enjoy and be that at that young age? That is such a powerful question that was very well stated, James. And to be quite honest, I don't really know because this is something I asked. I have some hints that I'll give you based on what my current understanding is, but some part of me believes some of it might be genetic in the sense of like, I'll give you some examples. Like, like Russ talks a lot about this. Russ is like a, he's like a rapper songwriter. He has a book called get out of my head or something or get out of your head. I forgot what the exact title was. And he calls it delusional self-belief. Like some human beings just believe in themselves at a level that is not very well understood by like the regular human population. Conor McGregor is another great example of this too. Muhammad Ali as well where they just believe they were the best in the world, so they became, or they just believe they were. I think that's one part of it. The So there's probably some crumbs there that explains this weirdness that I am in a good way, obviously. But the, the other piece that I think is probably more practical for the audience. Just for the audience to hear, you're strange, you're 24, and you're talking like you've been through some 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 massive crisis. But <laughs> so you and me are weird. We're both nuts. Whatever you say, I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have this quote that I say all the time. You know, be insane or be the same. You know, if you want to be like everyone else, this is totally fine. But if you want to do something special with your life, you kind of have to be a little crazy. So just the fact that I've even reflected on the question you just asked me already, but I'm still figuring out the answers is really bizarre. Like, what do people spend their time doing anyways? Like, most people just watch Netflix and we're here, like, looking at, looking at the conundrums of day-to-day life and very complex questions. But anyways, long story short. So, so going back to this, I would say for me, James, 
what helped a lot was the era in which I was alive. So when I was 20, that's when where podcasting really started to grow. Joe Rogan has played three, four years into it. People like Lewis House started coming up. Jordan Harbinger, they started their own shows. And I caught that tailwind. So when I was 20, I started listening to Lewis House's podcast probably when he was two years in, but I went down to episode one. I just started listening to it because there was a 70 minute commute from my house to university Mm -hmm. back and forth. So I would listen to 10 hours of podcasts. And what I realized after listening to hundred, I'm really bad with books, but podcasting, I just eat that stuff up. Like I love the episode of your life. It's so good. Like I listened to a few of those bits and pieces there. They're really good. Is like when I listen to conversations, there's a couple of things. The first piece is I try and find a common theme behind all of these successful people. Mm. Even if I, I didn't necessarily want to be the guy on the podcast just yet, I just like listening to them, like for waves, for patterns, mm-hmm. for recognitions. Mm-hmm. Good job. And yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And one of the things that I realized, James, and maybe that's just my analytical mind getting ahead of me that helped me, is all of them were kind of insane. They, they just had really bizarre backstory. They just all followed their own identity, their own point of view. And that's what came to conclusion number one that I'll spill out for the general public here is everyone we admire are crazy, but we learn to admire them, not learn from them. And there's a very big difference. So let me repeat that one again. Like think about all the, like as a, as a kind of template example here, actresses, actors in Hollywood. We, a lot of us in society, we look up to these people, but we don't really double think or double tap and say, oh, wait a second. These people are like, like completely cuckoo. Like these people are absolutely maniacally crazy. Another example is more specifically Kobe Bryant, right? If I asked, let's say a room of a hundred people, let's say everyone who has listened to your podcast right now was in a room. And I said, okay, guys and gals, who knows who Kobe Bryant is? Everyone's going to raise their hand up. And then I'm going to say something like, keep your hand up. If you know what Kobe Bryant's kill list is and all of their hands will go down except for one Mm. or two. So this, and I'm happy to explain what that is, but the key is, is there's a big difference in society between the people that we admire and there's a small percentage of those people that I, I, I rank myself in that doesn't just celebrate other people's success, but tries to understand the human being who's actually producing that success. Like Kobe, as an example, really quickly here, James, so people can understand this. When he was 10 years old, he had already made the decision to be the best basketball player that ever lived. So because of that decision, he made a list of the top 50 basketball players in the country when he was like 12 or 13. And he called it his kill list. Obviously, it's a very aggressive term to demonstrate this, but essentially it was a it was a list so that he could be at the top. So every time you would go to basketball games, he would always look for somebody who was 47 or 29 on the list or number seven. And he would find all of the things that they were doing better than he was. And he fixed every gap in his game. He was number one on that list. By the time he was 16, he got drafted into the NBA at 28, uh, sorry, 18, then won his first championship later in life. So why do I bring that up? Back to your question around how did I come up with appreciating my own unique identity? The simple answer to a long story here is I just realized that everyone who was disproportionately successful Mm. all did that. So if I wanted to be successful Mm. from an objective basis, I needed to fall in love with my own unique identity and experience as a human being. Wow. No, that's that. uh, 
It just takes me back, actually. I don't know if you knew this about me. Uh, so I have a, a son, well, two of them, one's 17 and one's 15. And the 15-year-old Harrison has high-functioning autism. And uh, when he was born, I remember observing that in our home, so Meg and Rowan, Rowan is two at the time, but May has a style, which I really appreciate. Um, he's neurodivergent. So he doesn't have a handicap. I mean, he has a gift. And so uh, Meg's a gem, by the way. And of course, you, you heard her on, on my podcast with her. She's just a uh, just piece of grace for me is what it ends up being. I don't know what I did. I didn't deserve this at all. Right. And so I agree. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, thanks to her. Thanks to me for that little slap on the ass. I like that. Appreciate it. It's good. No, it's good. Uh, absolute feminine presence often just is this right. But she's she's to me a special human being. And, you know, and I'll just go back to even um, when her and I were dating. Um, just so I'll go back before even Harrison was born when her and I are dating and we dated for four years, I was a horrible communicator. And when I say horrible, when I was in grade eight, my mom set me up with a speech therapist. And so this person comes to school, the principal calls me to the office and says, there's somebody here to see you. I didn't know what was going on. I get into this room, but I had this really, um, really nasty stammer. I couldn't get through my words properly. And I thought I had, you know, this dysfunction and I was flawed for life and, you know, I'm screwed basically. And this, this, this speech specialist just listens and talks with me, asks me questions. And also she pauses and says, she closes her binder and she says, you don't have a problem uh, uh, in, in relation to how I can help you. I said, how, how so? I'm thinking to myself, here is like somebody <laughs> coming to rescue me, shining armor. Like I was looking at going, actually... I do feel kind of put on the spot. Like, I mean, you know, I'm in grade eight would have been nice a little earlier. Is this too late for me to like go through this and make this better? Uh, but she says, actually your brain just thinks so fast and you have a hard time wrapping your tongue around all the words and they want to come out and you have a hard time getting it through. So if I were you, I would just focus on slowing down my speech. So what I ended up doing left that little meeting and I thought, huh, interesting here. I thought I was doomed. And actually, she gave me something that I can do something about. I'm like, and how so? And I remember trying to slow my brain down. But, you know, when you got yourself and trained for a certain speed, certain pattern, it was so difficult. I think in grade 11, I finally got to a place where if they'd asked me to speak in class, that I could confidently say, sure, I will, without being afraid that if I'd slip up on a word, that was the worst thing. It took me that many years, from grade 8 to grade 11. And it was kind of a bizarre thing because... Um, a lack of my ability to communicate actually created a lot of uh, disconnect from the world. I felt depressed for much of my life. And um, so fast forward. So then I meet my wife, we date. And so in the very beginning, I remember sometimes I would just be like a stumbling, babbling fool. And of course, what happens when you're second guessing what you're saying? You're thinking thoughts like this isn't making sense. She's not understanding. And I'll never forget, I was standing in the foyer of her parents' home. And up until that point, I had basically not stammered really bad. But then I was going to say goodbye. And I forget what I was going to say. And, and all that came out was just repeating the same word. And it was stumbling. And I was stuttering pretty bad. And I remember thinking, oh, goodness, this is over. She's going to see it for all that it's worth. My worst fears have come to light. It's done. And I said, sorry, baby. I remember looking at her thinking, what's coming next? 
I'm just waiting because she's going to say, you know, why don't we take a break? I don't know. You know, these words we have for ourselves. Mm. And she looks at me and she smiles and she says, oh, James, I understand exactly what you're saying. And my friend, I didn't utter a word, but my body communication, everything about me communicated something and she understood. So I remember thinking this little baby is mine. I want her. I need her in my life. She's a beautiful presence. And so, of course, we decided to get married and had these children. So back to that story. And uh, so Harrison was born. Rowan was two. Harrison uh, diagnosed a high-functioning autism. And I remember observing how Meg's presence was all about, he doesn't have to be like us. We need to appreciate who he is and then let him appreciate who we are. And it's not like there's atypical and there's him. We're all actually very different. We all lean into our obsessions in unique ways. And you know what? This is his style. And as he grew a little older, we could tell he's talking to himself, you know, very smart, memorizing things like crazy. And so here's the thing. We all know with autism, it's genetic. It comes from somewhere, from parents typically. So did it come from Meg, from me, from both of us? I don't need to give exact answer. The only thing that I will say and share with you is I remember that there was a distinct time in my life when I realized I just want to learn how to speak. So to your point, learn how to speak. And I engaged in some, um, I bought some CDs basically. And when I travel, then I would pop these things in. And I would listen over and over and I listened to verbatim and I would, sometimes I'd stop at like a, just pull over the side of the road. I just take copious notes, just on and on and on. And, and actually when we take family vacation, I do the same thing. And Meg would just listen and listen and listen. And one day, one of the boys said, Hey, hey mommy, what is dad doing? And she just said, Oh, he's just learning how to you know communicate well and different things. And she was so patient with me. And then all of a sudden I stumbled, you know how it is after we listen to episode 800 of the Lewis house podcast, we, you know, we go from one to 800, like my wife's done the same thing. I've done that with several podcasts. You go right from the beginning. You just, I got to I got to tap into this. All of a sudden we realize beneath it all, there's a pattern. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that when we truly desire to understand and appreciate ourselves, then we move away from mimicking and we start Everything begins like 800 podcasts, listening to all these CDs, whatever it is, it all begins to swoosh together in this pot. And we go, what am I detecting here? And I began to realize, actually, my style wasn't flawed. I wasn't broken. I wasn't doomed. And actually, there are a few things that society tends to appreciate when it comes to communication, to be generous to focus not only on just what and how will I survive, but how about to do a little bit of, you know, redemptive justice and focus instead of redemptive violence and focus on what the world is looking for. What is the world asking? What is the world craving and aching for now? And what was interesting is I think I activated my empathy and the empathy. uh, What's so interesting is because I'd like to hear from your experience when you help people recognize pattern help people learn how to speak. I'd like to hear from you um, what are perhaps a story or two where someone's life has just changed. All I can say is for me, learning how to speak 
I engaged with a few things. The pattern that came to mind is it seems to me like the certain people that I was really drawn to in certain styles of communication and what it ended up being was regenerative. The ones that actually took something and instead of trying to solve it and correct everything, but they would focus on evolving and connect with what was, meaning what is alive in me? Like sometimes I still stutter. I still stammer. And instead of it being like the worst thing, it's like, this is my style. I don't have to mimic somebody who never, you know, blops a word or messes up a word. That's my style. My brain does this. I'm okay. I've never been tested for autism, but this is just who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you share, would you be so willing to share? Like, what have you seen when it comes to communication, when you help people with that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. I love that. And Thanks for sharing that story. So awesome, right? Especially with the stammering and how communication can impact us. And 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 with your your girlfriend at the time, now wife. Very cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's really powerful to see how communication can really shift mm-hmm. someone's energy and someone's way of being. Mm-hmm. So so for me, I always begin with a question, James. And the question is, because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of easy wins, right? The question is simply this: How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? Mm-hmm. A lot of us, when we think about communication, we focus so much on the negativity, the stress, the anxiety, right? You, you talked a lot about the story you shared, the stammering, the stumbling with the words. And when we focus and we have those negative associations, and that's not our fault, by the way, that's the fault of the education system. Because the education system is not there to celebrate us when we fall in our presentation. It's there to punish us if we don't do a good job. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's how the, the game is structured right now. Mm-hmm. So that's the result that we get. So for me, what's what's fun about communication is let's dream about it. You know, so many of us, we dream about the expensive cars we want to get, the vacations we want to go on, the experiences that we want to have. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? So for everyone listening right now, don't just write down that question on a piece of paper. How would my life change if I became an exceptional communicator? Really spend some time reflecting on it for mm-hmm. 10 to 15 minutes. Because for all of us, James, that reason is different. So notice how I was saying that question you already saw. You're like, oh, let me start thinking about this question right now. Is when we start to dream about it, then we start to get excited about it. Mm-hmm. And going back mm-hmm. to your question, how does somebody's life get changed when they realize that there's a specific reason why communication must be changed in their life. So I'll give you a few examples here. Some people want to get better at communication to have a better relationship with their families, their significant other, their children. For other people, it's going on a cruise, traveling to an unknown country, exploring, but being able to communicate with body language and nonverbal cues. For other people, it's growing their business. For other people, it's getting the next pay raise, growing their podcasts. We all have different reasons. But what's fun about communication is there's a size that fits everybody. Mm. There's a reason that matters. We just need to dig deep enough because a lot of us have goals with our health. We might have goals with our relationships, our money, Mm. our finances, Mm. but very few of us have goals with our communication. So having that thoughtfulness, that reflection period alone creates that burning desire, that fire in your belly to go, you know what? I got this. Like I need to master this thing yesterday. And then we're going to be able to implement the tactics that are layered on top of that. So how does one person's life change? I mean, there's a lot of stories I could tell you, but I would say the biggest one that excites me the most 
is when someone, when I've coached one of those 10,000 geniuses, and I'm happy to say I've had a couple of them, hopefully in in my life, it's going to be all 10,000. But yeah, like I'll, I'll give an example. One of them is the technology CEO, and she's creating a technology where Uh, women could use press-on nails that are technology-driven. So one problem that a lot of women have right now who are mostly young and really busy in that specific demographic, they always have to change their nails all the time. And it takes a lot of time. It takes like an hour, two hours for them to put the nail polish on, all that stuff. And there's a lot of toxins there. So she created fingernails that are press-on, but you can change the colors on your phone. So it's a Pretty wow. cool technology. Yeah, it's very fascinating and what she's been able to do. But she's very shy oh. at the time, anyways, when she started working. Right. So she's very shy. She has amazing tech. She's a PhD in like chemistry and like her, her, her partner's her sister. Mm. And she's super smart as well. She's working at Microsoft, all that stuff. Like these gals, they know what they're doing. Like technologically, like the, the technology sound, the use cases mm. sound, but the ability to communicate it. That's where the challenge was. That's where the challenge was. So when I sat down with her, let's call her Julia. So I sat down to Julia and she just said, oh, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. And I just made her make a list, not even about communication. What's everything that you're really proud of? Something really hard that you achieved in the last few years. And she goes, well, getting my PhD. And I was like, this, this. And she starts listing out all of the wins. And I go, okay. So is communication harder or easier than everything on your list? And she goes, oh, it's definitely hard. And I was like, are you sure, Julia? Is getting a PhD, look at me. I'm coming to you live from my mother's basement. I'm too, is it really harder? And she goes, mm, probably not. If I had the right format, I was like, exactly. So then we worked on her, her five-minute pitch. You know, She goes to investors and raises capital in her case. And she tweaked it to such a level that she became invincible as a community communicator. So when I see people who are like, for example, I help people who help people. That's really the my ethos. I got that from somebody else. So when you help someone and you completely change their communication, their whole life changes because she goes from, oh, like super shy, like, should I share my ideas with the world to like, mm. no, like I'm the number one communicator here because I have that certainty. She goes Whoa. in there. Yeah. Poof, like yep. a badass. And there's like a 500 people who just go, whoa, who is she? And that's really the, the power that I'm proud of is when you help per- somebody who has the potential to help millions of flies and you just flip the switch. Gosh, and the, if you, the power of upregulating and then training yourself to proper communication to and with the most important person listening, and that's yourself. Communication from within. Right. That's really what you did. You flipped the whole deal for her. Like Tony Robbins, famous little thing. And that is you must find a way to not just empathize with the problem, but you must move to empathizing with the possibility. So instead of her being like, I'm the problem, I'm shy. You nicely said, what are you proud of? And so you had her focus on her strength. And just like that, you unleash this beast. (laughs) literally i love the exact languaging that you use there i I call my best people assassins or something they just go out there and they just wreak havoc onto the world that's a language thing i like but but yes i completely resonated with me it's like when you're shifting that you're able to get them to the next level so for Mm -hmm. example i I would ask and this is a question everyone can listen and can ask themselves is don't think about the beginning state of your vision think about the end Mm -hmm. so go to the last page of the book not the mm. first one. 
like in 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 a figurative figurative way. Go to the last page of your vision. Okay, stop. I just, gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. Here's please. <laughs> My wife, when she yeah. reads books, which or movies, she first watches the end or reads the last few pages, and I'm like, baby. Oh. Anyway, so. I get what you're saying. And I keep thinking she's flawed because of this. <laughs> and you're saying to me, go along with her. I don't know if she set you up to say this to me. If this is like, go ahead. I want to hear the rest. Some universal. That's actually funny. I'm glad you jumped in with that. So I, let me draw a compromise between you and her. So the compromise is maybe you don't want to do that with a movie that you're watching for fun because it kind of ruins the ending. But for your life, the high stakes stuff the stuff that 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 could that could really make the difference to you impacting 10 people versus 10 million yeah maybe it makes sense to look at the last page so i guess that's the balance mm-hmm. so what mm-hmm. what i would do and this is an exercise i teach people that people can implement as we as we're having this discussion together james is don't go to the first page of your your vision go to the last page mm-hmm. so i'll give you an example chris doe's vision a good friend of mine he's the founder of the future is his mission is to help a billion people do what they love and make money doing it too. So it's a massive vision, like a billion lives. But what Chris doesn't really think about, and I actually challenged him. He's not one of my clients, but he's more like a friend. I was giving him advice. By the way, like, that's an amazing tension, isn't it? The, the tension of um, do X, make X, make good money, but do it with your passion. Like that's a pretty good tension to wrestle with because when you reconcile those two out, we're not saying be willing to pay the price and give up your life. And though you're going to be resentful, we're, we're talking about that fine line. Go ahead. Right. The power of Ikigai, right. When you, yeah. when you get everything mm-hmm. together. So, so for him, I, instead of having him fixated on just that end state, I said, I want you to pretend as if that happened right now, feel that world. What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does mm-hmm. it sound like? Mm-hmm. And then, and then he was like, well, I don't really know. And I was like, think, 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 like really spend some time analyzing this. And then we might, we might have ideas like, mm-hmm. well, if a billion people in the world actually did what they love, what would that world look like? So I, I did the same thing with Julia, where I would, I would go up to Julia and I would say, now I want you to pretend like every woman Cause she said like, Oh, it's about nail polish. I said, this is not about nail polish, Julia. Hmm. If women get an hour of their life back every week, hmm. what happens to their life? And she goes, I never really thought about that. And I was Look like, I switch. want you to mm-hmm. exactly right. She goes, what can they do? And I was like, go, go, go. Obviously I had the answer, but I was pushing her cause she's the founder. Right. So she needs to have that desire in her. She needs to, I mean, she has it, but like the, the beast needs to be at least within her. So she was like, uh, uh, okay. One hour she could, uh, probably take take care of the kids. I was like, push harder. What about that side hustle she wants to start now? Now she has an extra 60 minutes in a week. It's not about unlocking just beauty. It's about unlocking time. They can reinvest that back in their communities and all that stuff. And she was like, oh my God, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, Brendan. We need to give every single woman in existence a one hour back in their life. And then she was on fire, right? So, so the, the other piece to that is when you go to the last page of your vision, you just start to ideate. Like for me, if like I think about this all the time, every Elon Musk, every genius, I, I could just sit there in the background, like the last row of like a theater and just watch all of them. And no one would know who I was. No one would know who I am. And I would just watch every miracle after miracle after every genius, one after the other, who are just exceptional communicators and how quickly the, the world would move. So I encourage people to think about that last page. That's what gets us excited about communication, mm-hmm. not see it as a chore like most of us do. That seems like a really, um, 
really, how would I say, I would, you know, what I was, I don't want to say tool, but it seems like a really unique optic or and metric perhaps to tap into when it comes to what we talked about earlier in relation to how do you become fueled and switch your fuel source, your desired fuel source from what's typical in society is feel pain. And that's going to get you off the couch. It's going to get you to stop watching YouTube, how to switch it from pain and scarcity and fear into this. I just want to do this because I appreciate and love you have a, and and so I wouldn't even say what you did. There was a reframe. You just had her tap into something that's again, regenerative, the power of who she is, the strength of who she is. And all of a sudden, what isn't possible? What isn't possible? When you tap into that burning desire, like I think about what was possible for me. And and so I like your reflection on this uh, in a bit, but I feel like, and as you were talking earlier, I was taking some notes and I feel like often we envision um, what it is that we want in our life and how we'd love to live most free, most uh, compassionate, most beneficial, whatever this looks like through our observation of other people in our life. Because sometimes it's hard for us to put ourselves there. But if we see another person, for example, in my scenario, it was Meg. I remember just seeing that she seemed to have less conflicts in her life. She just seemed to wrestle with tensions and she enjoyed it, but I had all these conflicts. And so I used to be a little harsher. She was the lamb in our relationship. I was the lion, right? And so I was overtly firm. She was overtly soft. Now we've learned to temper that through. But when I think about when I observed her, it was like wherever she went, it was like there was this undertow, this pattern. So speaking to the pattern, she was kind of proud of her just enjoying her presence wherever she went and not in an unhelpful, significant way, but there just seemed to be this. And what we all desire is to feel proud of how we show up. And I remember thinking, so what is that about her? And of course, as you heard earlier, it's like when I learned communication, I learned empathy through this because really what I wanted to do, I could envision my life of empathy, not because I had reference for it, but because I leaned on. And what, so what's your thinking on this? So you say, envision yourself there. How do you encourage people? And if my way is flawed, just poke it, just poke, keep, keep poking it. But how do you get people? Uh, and if you, if you don't mind, hold it in the context of often the greatest things in life come when we build upon that, which we have no reference for. So I have Meg in my life. I have people in my life like you do. And so I have reference for what they're doing. So I'm like, okay. I think I might like that, might like this. So I'm picking basically. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But sometimes the greatest of things in life comes and we have no reference for it. Elon Musk, people don't have reference for what he's doing. Pure innovation comes. Go ahead. Mm, fascinating question. I love it. So a couple of ideas I can, I'm wrestling with in my head. So, so one of them is... Uh, how do we create and spark momentum? So the, the key is it's kind of like a match in a fire mm, I like that. where you're, go- you're going to try different things. Mm. Sometimes you're like, there's like a bunch of wind and it's not working. And then you have to like close your, your hands and then something to match. And then you have to try an oil lighter and you try a bunch of things. And then eventually you find that spark. But what's mm. interesting about human beings, because we're all unique, is the spark that lights the fire within somebody's belly is is somewhat common, but most of the time it's unique. Most of the time it's different. Mm. So you have to try different ways. So for example, for a visionary CEO of a tech startup, 
that vision exercise works like like butter. Like mm-hmm. it works like a charm like every single time. Because they already have a big vision for the world. They just don't think they can be great communicators. Mm-hmm. And that for me is like an easy fix. Super easy because they already know where they want to go. But to your point, there's to the I like what you said around like having no reference, no frame, right? So in some in some cases, it might just be like a corporate employee who doesn't really have like a grander vision for society. There's no, there's no nothing wrong with that either. So so for them, communication might lead to something, but not like a completely like shifting of the human race, right? So to speak, which is totally fine, right? So so and I've learned a lot. I actually learned more from that. The visionary CEO is actually a lot easier to coach on because you could just go through the mission and, and just reflect on that back to them that's but a great the, nuance go ahead mm-hmm. absolutely and you created it right because you mm-hmm. asked you asked the right question to help me think through this as well but the other piece is, is for me it's more about momentum so this is a question i always ask mm-hmm. a lot this is actually the most common question i say like repeat it's kind of like uh subconscious programming or unconscious program. i'm not sure what the right word mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. but but basically it's what else is possible through communication skills mm-hmm. So it's just a question I just keep asking over and over again until it clicks for them. So I'll give you a super easy example that people can literally copy paste is I have them do something simple because for me, what's the easiest one in the book? And for me, always, this is 100% of the time. It's the random word exercise. Pick a random word like phone, like television, like a screenshot and create random presentations out of thin air. So I would say easily 90%, 95% of people think they can't do the exercise. Oh, uh, Brendan, I can't do this. Uh, I don't think I can do it. And I just go like, and I just sit there like very patiently. I wasn't this patient initially. I was like, Jesus, do it already. But then over time, I was like, and I just sat there. I listened to all their objections and I was like, so are you ready to do it once? we're all here to support you there's no cameras and then they all eventually because you know me i'm like a nudging them different person you know isn't it so funny if we if we if we don't allow the other person to deny themselves any longer we give them a gift go ahead right Ooh, i love what you shared there could you say that again if you say uh, i'm gonna botch it but if we don't allow the other person to deny themselves any longer then we give them such a rich gift Wow, that is so good, man. That's because, a finger. Yeah, what? Well, what? Because what, what I'm hearing you say, it's almost mm-hmm. like you're doing hypnosis. Like in the moment, like Tony Robbins, and hypnosis is not like losing control. Hypnosis is saying, "I know what you actually want. I'm just going to help you get it. You don't have to tell me. It's unspoken language." So you're just actually saying, you know, you ha- you present me with a problem, and you've probably presented other people this problem but no one's actually been successful leading you across the bridge. When you freak out, they just stop and don't know what to do. However, what you're doing is you're saying, come at me no matter which way you like. It's beautiful. And I'm going to let you hear over and over and over again. And then I'm just going to nicely say, okay, so are you ready now? Are you exhausted? Then you're ready. You're exhausted for what? For this moment. You're ready? And they're like, well, but I don't know the answer. Well, if you did, what would you say? So yeah, go ahead. Oh, man, dude, that was like my... That was so good. I love that. I'm definitely going to take that one and take inspiration from you and coaching clients better. But yes, it's the nuance of transformation, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone experiences it in a completely unique way. And our goal is to guide them Mm -hmm. in, in that direction. But what's nice about the field I'm in is that it's actually not as hard as life. I mean, I have a lot of empathy for like a Tony Robbins or yourself and the work that you do, right? Where it's a lot more nuanced, whereas in communication, even if there's definitely layers that I'm not discrediting myself, there's an easy way to strike that momentum. I'll tell you what it is. So when we have somebody do the random word exercise the first time, 
they don't think they can do it. But regardless of how it sounds, I always clap. Oh my God, James, that was amazing. You did such a I thought you couldn't do it. Right. I say that in a very playful. I thought you can do it. how about you do it again? And she's like, okay, let me do it again. And then and then she does it like mm-hmm. 10 times, or he does mm-hmm. it like 10 times. And I go, and I, I don't even say, ha ha, I told you so. I don't do that. Maybe, maybe 19-year-old Brendan would have done that. I totally did. But but 26-year-old wisdom Brendan says something like this. Well, James, so I saw you do it 10 times. Excellent job. What do you think would happen if you did it a hundred times? Wow. Profound. Oh my goodness. Maturing your behavior. Oh my goodness. You're saying now you got through the first, yeah, the roadblock is you kicked it down. You got some positive reinforcement. You know, you're not the proest of all pro, but guess what? I'm going to reward you for your freaking courage. You did it. That's all that matters here because listen, you're hearing yourself debate. Am I good or am I not? And also realize by the 10th time, that voice is getting quieter. Stand guard at the door of the mind. Beautiful. So keep going. Yeah. I, love, I love it. This is so great. You're, you're absolutely right. Exactly. So then when they go, oh, I would be the best. And then, and then I would say, yeah. and I would say rel- con- contextual to them. So let's say they're a scientist. Uh, cause that's why I always say top 1% communicator in one's industry. Cause that's the right comparison to make. Mm-hmm. It's not really like about comparing yourself to Tony Robbins. You, we're all in different sports. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the scientist, this works so well, just goes like, okay, what if you did this a hundred times question for you, Julia, let's use Julia as an example. How many scientists do you know who have done the random word exercise a hundred times? They're going to be like zero, right? Zero. And I say, exactly. And how much time does it take the rent to do the random word exercise? She goes, well, I mean, it takes a minute to it once. So I guess it would, I imagine it would take a hundred. Absolutely. And I congratulate the hundred minutes. <laughs> so what am I asking for, Julie? Am I asking for a hundred minutes out of your day? No, 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 I would never dare. It's an hour and 40 minutes, a long time. Would I ask for a hundred minutes out of your week? No, 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 no. Even out of your month, even out of your year? No. Can you give me a hundred minutes out of your life? Well, well, can you give me a hundred well. minutes out of your life? So then when we get there, yeah. they go, oh, it actually only takes two hours to be a top 1% communicator in my industry, which isn't mm-hmm. true, by the way, mm-hmm. but that's the belief at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I go, try it and find out. And then they mm-hmm. do it. And then when they come back, they're like, all right, give me the harder thing. And the, and the, whole, the whole point of that discussion, James, was to shatter the most important barrier. Mm-hmm which was the mm-hmm. mindset barrier of I mm-hmm. can't do it. The second their identity changes mm-hmm. from, oh, like I, I can't do this communication thing. It's not for me to like, what other game can we play? Mm-hmm. Like, what else can we do? Like, I want to be the best in the world. That shift happens overnight. The second that shift happens, you can never go back to who you used to be. And that's the magic. That's what I love about this game. Isn't that interesting? And I love, I find fascinating those words, that language, specific languaging. When you said you help them shatter their barrier. It's interesting that barrier often, I think for most of us in life is I can't, I can't, I can't. And then we have a gracious soul comes along and says, you give me what you can do. And I'll show you that it's safe within me. I make safe that feeling in me. And I'll reflect back to you that I'm still okay. And then you're going to see that you can handle that and even I can't, and it gives people the courage. So good on you, my friend, to be a loving presence, to reflect back and to and to show people, listen, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you saying I can't. Now what? Now what? And the other individual goes, and again, if I can observe Brendan or James, whoever's listening, if I can observe you holding the impatience, for example, that I have, but you're not flinching, you're you're not becoming destructive, and it's safe within you. And I'm realizing that 
oh my goodness, you have your own impatience. So here's the thing. You're holding not only my impatience, but also your own. And you're reflecting back to me that it doesn't need to create. And your shoulders, I don't know what's going on. Maybe your shoulders are getting wider, but you are showing me that you can love me, not in spite of, but because of. They say that's what love actually is. You give Mm. someone, the, the simple definition is you give someone that which you don't want. So if I have impatience, I give it to you. And I want to give it to someone and you don't want to take my impatience, but you're like, fair enough. The reason you choose to take it is because you can make it safe within you. You don't have to push it out. And then you reflect back to me. So it's like this. There you are. You come along. The person says, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're like, that's precious. There's areas of my life when I say I can't either. And you know what? I need you, you say to the person, the same way you need me. But now is my turn. My turn to give you a gift. I'm a master at communication. So when you say these things, I go click, I click into communication and I'd be like, listen, I can either choose to let people deny themselves or I can just do what's easy for me. I can just hold the thing that they say they can't. I can reflect back to them. I'm okay with it. And all of a sudden they're going to want to do this. So my friend, good on you. Surprising what happens when real truth comes forward, right? Real truth. When we observe another person can handle it. All of a sudden, it's like the real authentic truth is, the truth is we all wrestle with can we or can we not? Let's move on. And it's like, well, what's really the thing? Now, maybe I want to communicate like the new ones. How do I want to communicate better here? So, Brendan. I mean, so good, man. Oh, everything you said was just gold. It's, it's, it, it goes back to keep this simple for people. What are you willing to stand for? Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with most of us mm-hmm. is we're not making a decision to stand for something. Mm-hmm. Like for me, you know, it's easy for me to jump on a podcast and tell really complicated jargon, get yeah, really yeah, no. complicated, do all that stuff, or make a decision to say, wait a second. Yeah. If my access to me. Can you just back that nine year old girl? Sorry, you just froze for a minute. Can you say that again? Sure, 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 absolutely. Right? So it always goes back to this question, right, James? What are we willing to stand for, right? And it's really easy for me to go onto a podcast or an episode or a discussion and and make things as complicated as it could be. Oh, you got to do this, got to this, got to this. Or we have the empathy to say, wait a second. If my mission is to help nine-year-old Elon Musk, who hasn't matured to being Elon yet, I better be so simple that even a five-year-old can understand this game. And that is a decision we need to make. Whereas the problem, I think, with most of us is we don't ask, or rather the opportunity for growth for all of us, rather, is that we don't spend enough time asking ourselves difficult questions about life on who we want to be and how we want to show up in the world. And once we start making those decisions, that is when these moments become clear. I mean, sure. Was I impatient those first couple of interactions? Absolutely. I was like, God damn it, guys. Just do the random word access 20 times. Get over with. It's like, it's easy. Why can't anyone do it? Or I can raise my level of consciousness and say, is my goal to solve, to, to solve this problem for 10 people or 10 billion people? Because if the goal is 10 people, I can stop like every other communication coach has. Honestly, right? Make 20 grand a package, coach 10 CLs and be done with it and live a happy life. And there's no judgment there. That's what they've chosen to do. But I said, no, if my decision, like Tony Robbins, if our decision is to get into the B category, 
to impact billions of lives, then we need to take responsibility to level up our levels of consciousness and have extreme levels of empathy. Mm-hmm. To use all of the analogies we talked about, to your point, you know, when I'm going through these and I'm glad you acknowledge that it really means a lot to me. And in the same way, you, the transformation you do, I've probably tried a hundred iterations of that same languaging. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, why haven't you tried the red word exercise yet today? Well, like you try every iteration until you do something super simple. And it always comes back to going back to who do we want to be? How do we want to show up? And more importantly, what are we willing to stand for? And for me, the number one thing that I'm willing to stand for in my life is I don't care who's in front of me. I care about the result more than they do for themselves. Mm. It doesn't matter who they are. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm on a podcast episode and I'm talking to a host like you, I, my goal always is to make sure that I'm the best podcast host uh guest excuse me not host that doesn't make any sense but best podcast guest that i could possibly be that serves the intention of that person but that's not something that just happens that's a decision that we make internally within ourselves but the goal here that i want to emphasize is we can't make too many promises either we need to prioritize what we care about like for example I'm really bad with family time. I'm really bad at quality time with my family. So how do I fix that? I fixed it by living. Wait a minute. You exactly. You live with them. So you don't have to worry about it. You fix it. (laughs) But that's the, but that's a fix. Like that's an intentional fix to your point. You know, you alluded to earlier. I don't do that for financial reasons, Mm -hmm. though. Some of it could, it's good to have some extra money here. Mm -hmm. But the, but the point is really like, I know every time I travel, this happens every time, James, every time I travel, I always forget to call my mom always so i can go five seven days without calling her and then she's like where's this guy at so i knew based on my personality because there's some parts of our personality we can't change we can change most of it but there's some parts that are just us i'll just live with her or i'll live close to her so i don't have to worry about that Mm -hmm. so that's the key we can't make every promise in the world we can't just go i'll spend i'll be this guy i'll be a family i'll do this okay i think that's a little bit too much Mm -hmm. but i do think there's three to five things that we should all Mm -hmm. be committing to Mm -hmm. and we need to figure out what those three to five things are because most of us Mm -hmm. don't really have that in mind or think about that to your point on not calling your mom years ago we moved to malaysia for a season of our life and uh we were so excited just to live in a different country and of course live on the other side of the planet of course it's just shock and awe you get to see the people the way that they do life and the way that they believe and think about americans i mean you're gonna you're you're in for a treat (laughs) you know what i mean it's just fascinating and uh i think we were there for was it four weeks and the boys were rona's two and harrison just been born a couple months old we never called anyone from home our parents we didn't check in with them for about was it like Again, four, five, six weeks. My mom was on the verge of calling the police. So speak of speak of lack of communication. This is before I learned the art of communication, the beauty of it, right? So there you go. So that was a big chagrin. You know, what's really interesting, the one thing that I'm picking up, and I'm sure the listeners are picking up from you as well. There's something about making a decision and a non-negotiable decision. So a decisive one. A decisive one takes radical action. And when I think about radical action, when I listen and observe you here today. You know, when we make a decision for love or just, I want to be about being a beneficial human, like that's always who you've been, you know, you, you awoke uh, when your dad passed away, you, you, you were, you know, you're gearing up for that moment all along and it's because of him. So we, you know, we got to say thank you for all of this. But when you think about this, I want to participate. I don't want to just be seeking relief. I want to participate. I want to, I want to bring what is my fascination, I'm tr- I, 
I want to bring it into the world the best way that I know how. There you go. And I'm paraphrasing, but there you go. And you're out helping people. And like you were saying earlier, you became kind of impatient with that game, that word game. What's fascinating about love when you make the decision, love is giving and receiving at the same time. Isn't it interesting to observe your life and realize that there you were being the master communication coach, whatever that was. And in that moment, as you're serving the other, the other was serving you and making room for your impatience because they wanted to get through the thing that they were denying themselves for so long. My friend, isn't it just amazing to walk this journey and realize that this is what we do for each other. We're constantly making room, whether subconsciously or unconsciously, but I think you've made it easy for yourself because you made a decision. You made a decision. And I think that's when I first connected with you. I'll never forget. There was just this moment and I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's well-read. And you know how oftentimes, nothing wrong with this, but you meet people and they're just quoting, quoting, quoting. And you're like, okay, their life, don't get me wrong. We build on models of our life. We get it. We get it. This is what we all do. Sure. But but then there's another play when it's like, you know, actually, this person lives this life. This person isn't trying to live this life so he can become one of these people. He is living it because, and you, you help me out here. So I'm willing to get anything wrong. And I do half the time or, and or more. You haven't been wrong so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, life is half win and half loss. Right. So we have to kind of, it's, you know, it's all gain. Right. You know, it's all good. Um, what was I just saying? I lost my way. <laughs> no, no. I, th- I think, I think you're making great points here. Jane. And what I love about, you know, the way that your thought processes in general, you were talking about the, how a lot of people quote a lot right? They use a lot of quotations, but they don't live the advice that they teach, right? So that they can become something else rather than just being who they are. And one thing that I just want to side comment that I appreciate about this conversation is you're so committed to pushing this episode, this conversation mm. to a level that even pushes you out of your own comfort zone, mm. which I think is really <laughs> fascinating and, and unique where you're even asking questions that you're not even sure of the answer. And I think that is the, mm. the, the jus de vie, as we say in French. Like the what is that? Of- I like this. The jus de vie? Oh, this the, is brilliant. The, yeah, it's like the, the jus de vie. It's like the joy of living. Oh like my goodness! Is like uh, the ju- the juice. It doesn't sound as good in. English. No, I love that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of like yeah. a not to offend any vegans, but kind of like that juice on a steak, like the jus de vie, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and I completely agree. And and to build on what you said, that's why I like our our, our back and forth here. Even if you're ha- you even at the question, I I still know what to say, so it still works. <laughs> <laughs> is is the the point that you're? I think you're driving here, is there's this is actually a theory that a a famous french philosopher rené girard talks about i rarely quote philosophy Mm. and he calls it mimetic theory so mimetic theory is basically where he argues and i actually agree with him that most human beings don't really aspire for something they simply Mm. copy what other people desire Mm. so i'll give you an example i'm simplifying it a lot Mm -hmm. because i barely understand Mm -hmm. myself to be honest but basically what rené talks about is if if you if so, the reason I desire going to university is because a lot of other people desire that thing. The reason I desire having a Louis Vuitton purse is because other people value that thing. And that also applies in every other context of life. So, for example, the quotes 
like you're right. And I think that's what you're noticing with me. And even in, within yourself is a lot of us, we say quotes just to, just to, because it sounds mm-hmm. cool. And mm-hmm. because it's cool mm-hmm. versus be versus because we actually fundamentally believe in that thing. Mm-hmm. And it creates a whole other level of conviction in that, in that mm-hmm. sentence, in that word that just can't be felt. Mm-hmm. So for example, somebody well, else. Well, that's mystery. Oh, that, love, sorry. That's the mystery. Sorry. I interrupted. I love it. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Don't need to apologize. Man. It's like, for example, like something simple that I said earlier in this conversation that you're actually making me think about as well is like, what are you willing to stand for? Like a lot of people ask, say that they might say it, but they don't actually mean it. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, it's like when I say that question, I mean it. But but something that wouldn't be aligned with me would be to say something like you should spend more time with your family. That's mm-hmm. not aligned with my beingness, mm-hmm. even though that's a that's a nicety to mm-hmm. say oh yeah, I guess you should spend your time, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't live it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't live it at all. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't go like mm-hmm. you need to, like, I just don't mm-hmm. even have that conviction. Mm-hmm. But when I have that conviction to say, what are you willing to stand mm-hmm. for? Like you can feel it. Like, it's like, Oh, like this guy stands for something, whether mm-hmm. I agree with him or not. And that's really what I think is missing for most of our life. Let me give you an example here that I think strikes people is Gary Vaynerchuk. Like a lot of people with Gary, they either really like the guy or they really don't. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason I really appreciate him is you can tell through the way that he communicates his ideas, the way that he shows himself, mm-hmm. he's not pretending to be some character. He's not pretending to be some caricature of somebody else. You can feel the excitement in his voice when he's talking about his NFT project, when he's talking about like building a marketing agency, when he's talking, about, oh, like if I sell this and I make this, then I could buy the New York Jets. And like, we're all staring at this guy in complete like confusion. Like, why does this and matter? Completely captured by that excitement. We're led that's what's happening here today. You and I are having a good time. Listeners are enjoying the good time because we're having a good time. Absolutely, right? And and the and the the I think where where some people I I empathize with is they look at somebody like Gary V and they they would say like things like, oh, he's too loud or he swears too much or he does this wrong, he does this wrong. Whereas my hope for humanity one day. It'll pro- it'll, I, it might happen in my lifetime. It'll probably happen long, years after I'm gone or de- centuries. As we all look at Gary Vee, we might say something instead of, how could we be more like him? Not in the tr- in, not in the way of working harder or hustling harder, but how can we bring that jus de vie in our mm-hmm. own life? How can we be really excited? What if we were all excited about, and whether that's about being, whatever that thing is, whether that's being like a stay-at-home mother who's like, no, screw working a corporate job. I'm just going to take care of my kids and my husband's going to work for me and make mm-hmm. the job. Whatever that thing is, whatever that version is, or maybe it's like, you know, instead of working as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, I'm really talented at making tacos. And I should probably just quit this like investment banking job that's making me like $750 to a million dollars a year <laughs> to like start creating tacos. And then if I make like a thousand, I'll make like five thousand dollars a month and I can make like <laughs> that. What if we were all that? And if we were all that version of who we could be or who we can truly align our essence with what we were called to do, even if we don't know what that thing is yet, just that pursuit alone would really heal the world in a powerful way, I think. Isn't it fascinating when you say heal the world, you know, and the concept of, I think what we all want in life, help me out here, but I think what we all want in life is we want 
we want to um, hmm, we want to feel comfortable with things that 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 make us feel alive, you know. And so there's this dichotomy, and it's not either or; it's both and. But the known and the unknown. So we're going. Yeah, I know my passion is to make tacos, but the unknown, I have no idea what can happen. And so, if you ask me, my friend, what I love most about podcasting is I I push it. I push it not because of any anxious striving or performance anxiety. I just feel very comfortable in unknown unknown territory. Very comfortable, and it's kind of something that I've been trained myself towards because I found that that's where all of life is. Because there's the known. And the unknown, and it's like, oh my goodness, I get to participate with unfolding in real time. And and I get to learn and I get to teach at the exact time, receive love, give love. I have an unshakable love with life. I haven't always been like this. I spent the last decade designing my life of gratitude. I got just this amazing passion for wanting to be here, not wanting to leave this earth and being like, well, I don't know why I'm here. And perhaps heaven's the place that where I belong. Well, as far as I'm concerned, whatever sources is that put us here, whatever, uh, whatever universal presence this is, put me here for a reason. Now put you here for a reason. Now listeners take this in, ask yourself, where in your life do you want to be unshakable? For me, the joy of my life came and I looked at it and said, listen, what is the thing that draws me deepest? And I couldn't help for me. It was to look at Meg and just be so in love with her. I had reference. I could see her. And I said, I want that. I want that. She influenced herself and others without much effort. Nothing needs to be fixed, managed, or controlled. I totally get it. Where is it in your life that you want to make a decision for, ah, this joy of my life? I'm just going to go for it. And you know what? You're right. I'm going to be standing on the known and the unknown, both at the same time. And I'm not going to be about thinking that I need to know all the answers. As a matter of fact, it's going to bore the shit out of me. It's going to end the whole thing. It's going to kill it if I, uh, you know, supplant myself into this way of thinking that I got to know and I should know. And apparently an expert is knowing. To me, I don't know about you, but an expert for me, and I think I've always been about this, and it just helps me keep my ego in check. But to be in the unknown space, to feel decentered, is where we get strong. A human doesn't walk on two legs at the same time. A kangaroo does, but a human doesn't. The human is building strength every time it's out of balance, just a little. Just a little. So my friend, thank you for playing here with me today and, and just keeping us out of balance just a little, bring something new, not through performance desire for, but just living life. And I think that's to the point on, there's some people that when you observe, you have empathy for, because it seems like they're performing life instead of living life. Mm. You're living life at 26, my friend, and it's precious. There is so much hope for the younger and this age is, you know, ages be a little bit and you're like, well, I'm, you're, you're probably hoping not to be labeled as, as young again, because you're who knows? Perhaps you're saying if I get to 30, I'll become like respected. But hey, there's so much hope in the world for people like you, my friend. I just love it. I just absolutely love it. So, hey, any last words of wisdom you want to share with us? And after this, I'm going to ask you a question that my listeners love, 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 love. So anyway, any last wise words from you? 
Uh, absolutely. I'm not sure if they're wise, but definitely words <laughs> is a couple of things, man. Wow. What a fantastic, a couple of thoughts I wanted to tackle on. The first one that you talked about is the joy in trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I loved so much about this conversation is we're both just two human mm-hmm. beings trying to tackle the imperfections mm-hmm. of and the nuances and just playing in that dirt versus going like, this is the textbook. Let's follow the textbook mm-hmm. so we can press everybody who's listening to this. That's what I, I think I love the most. Is that, on. Right. That willingness for you to, to jump in the mud and for me mm-hmm. to join you, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one piece. And the other piece about life, I, I don't think I've shared this before, but I got this from Aubrey Marcus. And he said something so simple, mm. yet so profound that that's still jarring in my head that I'm still mm. thinking. I think about it almost every day. Mm. And what he said was, what if roses go extinct? And I thought that was a bizarre question. I was like, what does he mean by this? He's like, what if this is the only moment in human history where we get to enjoy roses in the same way that dinosaurs no longer are with us. What if this is the only moment in our life that roses get to exist? Why don't we just spend more time smelling those roses, enjoying the moment and living life. And when he said that, I was like, wow, like most of us don't appreciate those little detailed granular nuances of life. Whereas when we start to ask ourselves these bigger questions, like what if we were the last human being that we, that, that is interacting with this person, how would we be different? This really helps us grow in appreciation for how limited time really is in the span of, of the universe. Now, I would say the last piece of, of, of so-called wisdom I would leave with, and this is by my coach, Bomsi, he tells me this all the time. He says that if you are, if you think you're thinking big, you're probably not thinking big enough. Mm-hmm. And what I think what he means by this is not just in the context of building bigger businesses or building bigger movements, but building or seeing bigger potential in ourselves that we didn't really see yet, whether it was being able to work a four-day work week or uh, having steak twice a week just because we can or spending more time with our families or going on that extra vacation. Like he told me this funny story. He was on an airplane with a coach. And, and he was like, oh, I'm going to India for two months. And she looked at him and said, oh, I always wanted to go to India. I should go to at least once in my lifetime. And he just looked at her and asked her the simplest, most powerful question, which is, how could you go to India every single year? And it totally broke her pattern because she looked at him and said, what do you mean? I just meant once in my lifetime. And he just said, what about once a year? How can we make it once a year? And it's those, those little things. So if you're thinking if you feel that you're thinking big enough, realize that you aren't. So find people in your life that are constantly pushing you towards the person you can be. And I think that's the real magic. And I'm glad to say that you're definitely one of those people for me after this conversation. I think that while you're so generous with your words, uh, you know, you just humble me. And I just, I've had an honor. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show. So it's been absolutely fundamentally, it's just been enjoyable. I've, I've had a blast. And so um, exactly like you're saying, um, we, 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 you know, we chose not to fight for the absoluteness of the thing or of a thing. We chose to just say, Hey, how about we navigate? And we just be about playing hands in the dirt, evolving the thing. And, um, and I think, so think about this, think how much, think of how much room we left for us to do this again. 
connection comes all over again. Think how much room we left for other people to be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so when, it, when, when you say that, or when we say that's interesting, you know, your coach and he said, hey, listen, and I'm going to botch this, but uh, somehow you said, I'm paraphrasing, but if you're dreaming and it's, if it's right, if, it's, if, if what you're dreaming um, is, so it's not big enough, basically. So whatever you're dreaming isn't big enough. Um, to that point, isn't it interesting? You could very easily ask him what he means by that. But there's something in the human psyche that, you know what, the, the best way to ruin a great thought is to have an answer given. Mm. And so we're like, you know what, actually, it's mysterious for me. And to some degree, I don't want to know. Because then there can only be room for one interpretation because we end up locking around one, one definition. And then how often do we go back and change meanings of words? Not very often. Right. And mm-hmm. so we just kind of let it play and, and be with us. Right. And it just does something. And it's like the mystery. Go ahead. You got something at the tip of your tongue. I got one. And I'm just, you have such strong EQ, just the fact that you've noticed that is at, the number one best example that came to mind when you said that is literally the question, right. That mm-hmm. we all struggle with. We wrestle with what is the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. Right. If that had a finite answer, if that had an absolutism to it, imagine how depressing our life oh. would be. It would be like if if this was the answer and you didn't were you weren't the answer, it would create so much chaos Mm -hmm. in our life. It would create Mm -hmm. so much sadness Mm -hmm. because once you achieve that absolutism, then what? Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of like what Jim Carrey says. Right. You know, I wish everyone was rich and famous because Mm -hmm. you'll realize that when you get to the top that there's actually nothing there. Mm -hmm. And that's really the point is that's the jus de vie. Right. Mm -hmm. Is not having an answer to the question, but rather leaving it to your own interpretation. So I just thought I would reinforce what you said there. So deep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So here's the question. And this is the question my audience absolutely loves because my people, they like real people like you. And so real people like us, (laughs) like us. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But they like real conversation and they like to see the humanness of the other. And so you've been so honest and so good. So good on you, <laughs> good on me, good on this environment. Here's the question, mm-hmm. though. Where in your life, if you could really lean in, and maybe you've never shared this before, but if you could be like brutally honest, like completely honest, where do you currently struggle? And you wished you were further along. If you'd be honest, you'd say, I wish I was further along. And I feel like because I'm not further along, I'm losing. And therefore, I'm appointing a negative connotation to loss. So where do you struggle there? Go ahead. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I've definitely shared this a few times, but probably more than I should. Uh, my my biggest struggle is definitely romantic relationships, and, and the reason that's been a big struggle for me is as I guess the fear I've always had until recently. It's gotten hey, better. You got it. But... Okay, just a second, bro. You got to stop because this is comical. Firstly, you're a great communicator. Secondly, <laughs> there's nothing untoward about your presentation. So hey, go ahead. Yeah. I yeah, that. I know it's funny. I know it's yeah. hilarious. And, and like I said, it's it's gotten better over the past few months. But if you had talked to me a year ago, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was a mess had nothing to do with my track record or anything like that. It was more around as I matured up over time, I got more worried about trying to find a partner who had the same level of consciousness that I did. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, it gets really stressful because when you're like 15 years old, you're like, oh, well, like if she's pretty and she has a pretty smile, like life is great. Like, that's it. That's all you need. And, and some people, you know, get really lucky like yourself and with Meg 
but you know there's and then but if you don't get lucky you can have or my business partner too vomsi like he got lucky with his wife happily married for 18 years the only and thing then, is hey i'm just going to disrupt the thought because i know where you're going but i want to hear the rest the only thing to consider is back to what you and i were just discussing because you're saying i can't i can't i'm not saying you say you're you're saying you can't but here's the thing if you say that i got lucky you know what luck is tony robbins the hat grace what's <laughs> luck for him it's grace where is grace, my friend? Is grace everywhere or just for me? What is grace? Go ahead. I want to hear your story. No, Let's what see you it ends said, the same way. <laughs> no, no, no. What you said is so perfect because, and I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you didn't just leave it there and just say, oh, it's okay. He's the guest. Like, I'm glad that you jumped in. You actually came up with that because it's so true. Just because it goes back to everything we talked about, just because we have something perfectly figured out in one area of our life mm. doesn't necessarily mean we apply the exact same lessons, the exact same teachings to a new sport mm. or rather to a very similar area of life. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that as much with romantic relationships. Mm. So, so the struggle that I've had is like, okay, I'm 26 now. I'm still fairly young. So I definitely have a lot of time on my hands, mm-hmm. but it's, it's this doubt that's always lingering in my head a lot less than it used to, but, but just tiny little bit mm-hmm. is, will I ever find that person? Wow. And it, wow. and it's a limiting belief and I know I'll figure it out. I wow. know I'll get there. There's I no know. doubt. But it's just yeah. because you asked me, because every other area of my life, honestly, is like, I mean, like if that, that what I just told you is probably like a seven out of 10. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like a mm-hmm. two, but every other area is like a nine or an eight, mm-hmm. right? When I did the, my wheel of life a few months ago, mm-hmm. just reflecting on this and, and seven is really where I would stand with relationship. But last year was a four. Mm. right so i was really good job yeah yeah i was a really in a bad state here is uh here's somebody that uh we have in our home and he got fixed a couple of years ago so i think he's he has a little girlfriend next door but he's fixed so there's there's no there's no date night that gets anything different than just us running in circles so he was just barking and so he wanted to like to see you for a second so i'm going to let you see and so i think he's a little nervous about this whole thing but perhaps he looks at you and he can give you Charlie, what do you say about Brendan being nervous about it? Uh, are, are, you know, are you fully actually okay living a good life or what's going on here? Charlie, what, what's going on? Sometimes, there you go. He, you know, he kind of yelps sometimes when I ask him what's going on. Oh, there, there he goes. Now. Sorry, we have pe- uh, people coming and going from the place here. So it's happening today. He's barking. But anyway, I love that. Okay. So um yeah 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 no this is uh so yeah super generous of you uh for just being honest and for just revealing and it does come as a surprise uh to probably many of us me included so i'm sitting here going dude you're you know there should be no reason but just to tap into and not to solve anything because that doesn't help anything right but just to relate my friend i'll tell you something oh my goodness so i come from a really small community in southern manitoba and in manitoba by the way for those that don't have reference so there's the united states there's canada um manitoba is a province that is um uh kind of in the central uh, portion of the united states but directly above the u.s border so that's the canadian u.s border and so this little community that i was raised in uh was a smaller farming community and uh (laughs) let's just say it this way i was 20 not dating anyone and i thought perhaps they all the good ones were gone i was so anxious right and so uh, I found me a little, you know, a little chiclet. She's my little gem. I call her my mini Megalicious. And you're right. She is Grace. I guess I allowed it to flow through me. And, and so somehow she wanted to stick with me. I'm not quite sure what it was about <laughs> that, but, <laughs> you know, but I think you got a lot of time, my friend. You got a lot of time. I actually interviewed uh, 
uh, is a gentleman by the name of Jason. Um, I think Jason uh, Sherman is his name. And uh, he, what's interesting is he has the exact opposite story of me. He is 40, 40 some years old. I think two years younger than me, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And he never got married and uh, has fantastic relationships with other people, built fantastic businesses. And um, actually, he's quite okay. He also had kind of the fear, uh, but not fear of being left alone. He had the fear of what happens if they die. And so that fear governed his life. And actually, he developed a really cool life. And so sometimes we observe other people. I don't know if you should be in touch with Jason Sherman, but <laughs> sometimes when we see other people, we're like, we can settle that fear. And all of a sudden, we can just naturally walk into it. Because I think when we force it, it just doesn't. Uh, but anyway, my friend, I feel you. I hear you. I was there once. And I know it feels like you're dying by like a million cuts, like all over every day. So, you know, that's, that's how I felt anyway. But it sounds like you're a little further along in the journey. So there you go. Yeah, definitely. I, I was there last year, though. I was definitely there last year okay. where I felt like, oh, my God, because I was like in love with this girl. And then she didn't yeah. want to go out with me. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like this. Is, I was in a tough spot. But yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. You know, I think kind of like that's why I love the the imperfections of this mm. conversation like the mm. rather mm. the the exploration mm. of that because no one's got it figured out that's why i appreciate the mm. question mm-hmm. and and even the conversation james is like no one's got it figured out but if we can learn from the parts of all of us that have figured out some part of them we all combined all those parts together mm-hmm. that's when the true wisdom comes and we can really start to lean on one another to get to that to that level of perfection that quote unquote there that, that we're seeking for the uh, joy of life. And the French yeah. way of saying that is what again? The jus de vie. Yeah. The jus, the jus, and the way your eye, the jus de vie. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the joy of life is leading into the imperfection and being okay with it because we get to participate with being fully human. And that means there's messy, there's clean, there's a whole bunch. And instead of trying to balance everything out now, this is like integrating it all and just experiencing what comes alive in you. So, um, Mr. Mr. Communication Expert, I got uh, the wrap up will be this, like it always is. People are probably wanting to know where they can find you. Talk to us. Where can they find you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you. This is definitely one of the most powerful conversations I've ever had. Mm. You definitely, you definitely got a ton out of me. I mean, out of each other. <laughs> right. So, so I really appreciate it. I love the way you hold space for other people. You know, it's such a, such a delight, man. Mm. And so two ways of keeping in touch. The first one, of course, master talk, go to YouTube, type master talk in one word. You'll have access to a bunch of videos on communication. And the second way for those who are interested in coaching, just go to rockstar communicator.com. We host mm. a bunch of free trainings on Zoom. I host them. They're super fun. They're interactive. So just register for one of those and join us. Love it. Awesome. It was my pleasure. I loved it that you went toe-to-toe with me. We didn't focus on what to think. We focused on how to think perhaps yes. and just be okay with it. There you go. Drop that, my friend. I love it. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Talk soon, brother. I sincerely hope you enjoyed that little interplay. If you like the podcast episode, let us know by subscribing, leaving a little review, and sharing with a friend as you feel appropriate. Honestly, the guests that I host on this show, they love the feedback, and I personally love knowing that you're listening. So whether you choose to work with me as a guide or not, and that's your guide or not, that's simply great. Why, you ask? Well, because you're obviously one of those that's listened to the very end of this podcast. You've clearly made a decision to invest in yourself, and honestly, how isn't that just the best news? 
So if you decide you need and or want to get unstuck by activating your creativity and your resources, if you want to see things clearly, if you want to get to your next level, if you want to live with vibrant energy and passion, simply go to www.jameshefner.com for one-on-one coaching and or go to www.weeklywinsandlosses.com for the no-charge Friday noon global community weekly wins and losses video call. So again, I thank you for investing in yourself. See you next time. My sincere hope is that you've gleaned a few nuggets for yourself and a few pieces of interest that help you move forward in your unique journey. So again, I thank you for joining me here. This is James Hefner clocking out. Until next time, peace out, rock up.